This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, this is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Arif Roos, and as usual, on the phone lines with me is Mr. Daniel Fernandez. Say hello, Daniel. Good evening, everybody, and I'm so glad to still be here, you know, because Richard is not, right? <laughs> Richard is not. Richard is not. He's a man who deserves a very, very long bread, very, very long break after the year he's had, and a lot of bread as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was just about to say that, okay, but you said it, okay. As usual, the show will be split out into three parts. We've got the news. Uh, in part one, we've got some local car launches, exciting cars to go through, and in part three, we're going to be revisiting a uh, very popular topic in our circles, which is plug-in hybrids and premium cars and how prices are falling fast right now. Yes, it is. And I'll be sharing some surprising information with you. But first things first, before we head to the news, uh, I do want to mention, or rather we do want to mention, that this will be our final show of the year. There's two Wednesdays left. Uh, and we'd like to use that time for some much-needed R&R over the Christmas and New Year holidays. It's been a really, really tough year for everybody with so much happening and so much has changed. Uh, but as you know, some things stay the same, like waiting in line at JPJQs. So, okay, if this is the last show for the year, am I coming back next year, January? Of course, then. Oh, I was so worried. I was, I was getting the boot. Okay, well, thank you, thank you. Thank you for, <laughs> for allowing me to come back. We'll be welcoming you back with open arms, Daniel. Don't okay. worry about that. Uh, uh, but let's head to the news. Yes. So, what exactly happened in 2021? Let's start with, uh, you know, just a big picture of Malaysia. It's <laughs> really been a long year. I didn't realize, actually, looking back into the news, that the government fell and then a new one showed up. Mm. We did enjoy a bit of freedom, apparently, at the start of this year. But uh, the MCO returned in the middle. But now we're stuck in some kind of odd limbo where case numbers are still pretty high. But, mm. you know, things are opening up. Right. Back during the middle of the year, during the MCO, car sales did actually drop to zero for a month or two. But then it picked up the pace quite a lot, didn't it, Daniel, during the remaining months of the year? It was total snowball effect. I mean, nothing was holding back at all. Despite what has happened throughout this year, we're not too far behind in terms of volume and sales, considering. Correct. Uh, another thing that happened a lot this year was that the government, the JPJ, the PDRM, they have been offering plenty of discounts in renewal extensions. And of course, the loan moratorium, which unfortunately ended, to help people people get their automotive affairs in order by the end of the year. There's again our public service announcement. Please renew your licenses and road tax and get all the summons paid out because there is another uh, discount, isn't there, Daniel? 80%. But it's only two weeks more, two weeks more. So don't wait, don't dilly-dally, don't think, okay, I'll wait till, you know, probably the end of the year, right to the end. And then you, when you miss out on it, you start complaining on social media. It's open, <laughs> it's ready, you have to, maybe you have to queue up a little bit, but please go and get everything sorted out immediately. Have you tried the app, Daniel? Apparently, there's a My Saman app that's trending in Malaysia, number one within the past few weeks. Uh, I have no issue because I've paid all my summonses. Remember, I told you last week, I paid oh, yeah, you know, true. way in advance and I had to pay full price. But I don't mind paying in full price because why the money goes to good use. Plus, you're doing a civic duty, which is also very important. Exactly. I just realized I picked up a speeding ticket last week. I don't want to hear your sad stories all. <laughs> <laughs> Not a sad story for the police this year, though, because we saw them take a joy ride in the BMW M3 and a Volkswagen Tiguan and all those fancy cars. Mm. The ministers as well, they are enjoying a brand new Velfire because they'll save a few bucks a month. 
and I guess for a lot of people or a small number of people, actually, uh, electric cars are now tax free in Malaysia, despite still being quite expensive. So yes. lots of things going on. The other big news, which caught us by surprise, I think it was about March or April, was that we all got Euro 5 diesel nationwide. Mm. And there wasn't a lot of noise about it, you know? At all. Even after everybody reported on it, nobody was really talking about it. Right. But I think, you know, people have gotten a little bit, mm, yeah, so Euro 5, uh, you know, not great news, lah, you know? Diesel is so 2005, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, there was also something very big that, Daniel, you put very close to your heart, which mm. is uh, a landmark ruling about the Lemon Law, where an owner fought for eight years and finally won. Yes. That was a big win, I think, for consumers and car owners, in fact, right? Yes, but the law is still not in effect yet. But, you know, because one ruling was towards the, the consumer, the car company had to compensate them. So it might be something that will snowball to be a proper law to help consumers get the best from car manufacturers. And like we said all those months ago, at least there is precedence now. Yes, a lot of things also happened for cars and car manufacturers in Malaysia. Mm. Um, for one, there was plenty of new brand guardians for a lot of brands like Peugeot, Kia, Jaguar, Land Rover, Suzuki, right. Jeep, and Audi as well. They've re-entered Malaysia through Audi Singapore, right? Yes. Uh, we also saw a lot more official certified pre-owned offerings from brand, among them Proton, Produa, Hyundai, and a lot of new movements in some segments, firstly with electric cars, right. with their tax-free incentives and everything. Everybody really wants to get ahead of the pack and you know establish some sort of uh, slice of the EV pie. Correct. So we saw the launch of the iX BMW, BMW iX3, Porsche Taycan, Mini Cooper SE, Hyundai Kona EV, and even... Uh, Tesla, which is currently planned to be imported by Pekima. The yeah, so, so it's not official Tesla. So there's no official factory warranty. There's no official factory after sales. It's just a bunch of AP holders who are bringing these cars and selling them. But they're selling them new. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see how this develops. 286,000. Would you be tempted? Uh, no, because you see, I will not buy a smartphone without warranty. I will not buy a laptop mm. without a factory warranty. I will not buy a smart TV without a factory warranty. I will not buy any new technology item without a factory warranty. Yep, and that is completely sensible. So would I buy a almost $300,000 electric car without a factory warranty? Mm, big question, but I'm not the person they're targeting because I can't afford it. This year also, we saw a new challenger to the Toyota Alphard slash Velfire. Uh, one of them is called the Hyundai Staria. We talked about it a few weeks ago. That's, yep. I guess, a new segment that a lot of brands are trying to pick up mm. or take advantage of, right, Daniel? Yes, yes, yes. A luxury MPV market. Yep. We also saw, obviously, the Lexus LM. The big daddy. The big daddy, yes. You know, and a million ringgit, I don't think there's, there's a bigger daddy coming. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, right now. Mercedes has, has come into the market, but they're not even close because they're closer to the Hyundai Staria price. And then, of course, we had the Kia Carnival. So it's, it's interesting for the family mover market. Yep. Uh, it's also getting quite interesting for the pickup segment this mm. year because we saw the Nissan Navara X-Pro, which we talked about and labeled it the pickup for the urban cowboy. <laughs> that yes. was the one. The Isuzu D-Max, which you said is more like an SUV in the interior. Uh, a Mazda BT-50, which we spoke about last week, which is essentially a D-Max in drag. Right. And then the GMC Vegas Pro, which is essentially a Ford Ranger in drag. So, mm. you know, it's getting very competitive right there. But it's good, you see, because it's more choices for the consumer. Yep. 
Yeah, totally agreed. And、mm. I love the idea that when people ask you what pickup you recommend, you can't just say Hilux or Ranger anymore. <laughs> correct, correct. There's whole bunch of them out there, and it's all about looks, design, and you know features. Hyundai also did quite a lot this year, didn't they?、Uh, under Sam Darby, yeah,、um, they they did a really strong push to go premium. They brought in the Elantra, the Hyundai Palisade, which we spoke about last week again. Right,、uh, Hyundai Sonata, Santa Fe, the Hyundai Kona, as well as the electric version of the Hyundai Kona. So, looking forward to a big year. I mean, they clearly wanted to make a statement this year, didn't they? <laughs> right, and you must understand all these that they brought in, except for the Santa Fe, which is local assembled. The rest are all fully imported, so prices were high, but Not too high to put them out of reach for a lot of Malaysians. So it looks like Hyundai is trying to make a statement and say, "Listen, I'm not going to play in this local assembly market. I'm not going to play in the the lower middle class market. I want to play with the upper middle class and the premium market." The other day, I saw a Hyundai Sonata、hmm. coming right around in front of the office, and I got to say. It looks fantastic. It is probably one of the most unique cars out there right now. <laughs> But you see, the design is so unique. Will it last? We'll see. Yeah, well, we'll apparently see. they are they are one of the、uh, most reliable brands in this past year globally. Exactly.、Um, we also saw the launch of the groundbreaking Produa Ativa. I say groundbreaking、mm. because we've seen them everywhere. They're already everywhere. Correct. We saw the facelift on Myvi very recently. The、yes. uh, Honda City hatchback. The list can go on for a lot of the more affordable cars that people like you and me, Daniel. We can probably buy our segment, our segment, not Richard's segment, our segment. So I mean, just thinking about the Proto Ativa, you know, we thought the Proton X50 was going to take off a couple of years ago,、mm. uh, but you know, Proton's been faced by a lot of production issues. Parts are not getting produced fast enough. Everything's just getting bottlenecked.、Um, so now it seems like the Proto Ativa has.、Uh, Um, taken its main, so to speak. Well, the Padua Ativa is an attractive crossover. It's got all the right features, and、mm. it's so modern. It's so current, you know. Yeah. So of course, it'll it'll do very well, and it'll continue to do well until something else comes along. Now, obviously, we can speak all day about what has happened to Malaysia,、uh, even in the automotive industry in、mm. 2021. But can you summarize what has happened this year? Do you think it's been a good year for the automotive industry, despite of everything? I think it's been fantastic for the automotive industry because there's never been more choice. For consumers, even though you know with COVID and a lot of people not having money or you know whatever reason there is out there, but it's funny how everybody who I talk to in terms of the car brands,、mm. they're all actually coming back alive. Their showroom activity, the factories are chugging along. So I think there was a lot of people who said, you know, even though I don't have money. I want a new car, you know, because I can't travel, I can't do a lot of things, I can't go on holiday and all that. So I'll buy a new car because that's like、mm. the most obvious thing to like give you some kind of satisfaction in life, you know. Yep, that is that is very true. So it's good、uh, for me. It's good for me because I've got a lot of work to do. I mean, hopefully, all the work starts after the new year because we're all going for a holiday, not together, but、uh, <laughs> never together.、Know. Never together. I, I'm happy you said that. You know, get a little bit nervous around you, Daniel. Sometimes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Keep it that way. Keep it that way. A lot of Things have happened globally as well.、Um, for one, in terms of automotive news, of course.、Uh, for one, the creation of Stellantis, which I think is right now the biggest car conglomerate group manufacturer thing, is、mm. a combination of Fiat Chrysler Automobiles and Peugeot Citroen Auto Group. There are a grand total of fourteen manufacturers, and I think I saw somewhere that it could actually be eighteen with all the sub brands that's under it as well. Right. In other news, of course, the other thing is.、Uh, 
Elon Musk, he was recently voted man of the year or something like that from mm. Time magazine. This was because of all of the influence he has all over the world, which also caused Tesla to launch their market cap to over one trillion US dollars, which, might I remind you, is bigger than the top 15 car manufacturer market capitalization. Uh, the other thing that we saw, which was quite interesting throughout the year, was there were more and more car launches of limited run million dollar cars like the Lamborghini Countach, which, you know, in hindsight is really cool. We saw the Rolls Royce Boat Tail that was bought by um, Jay-Z and Beyonce and the Bugatti Bolide, which is some kind of track car that you can't actually race other than other Bugatti Bolides. So what do you think of that, Daniel? Well, you know, there's all these people with money. There's all these people who want something different. So, you know, the market is just catering to them. Also in the news, obviously, the semiconductor shortages, uh, which have ravaged the entire part of last year mm. and as well a lot of this year as well. Uh, those are continuing, despite positive signs from Japan about how they are beginning to ramp up production of their cars globally. The semiconductor shortages is still going on, and there are hardly any signs of things recovering because of the panic over the new variants, the increased COVID numbers as well, and a whole bunch of other things. So that's still going on, and that will likely affect the types of cars and the variants that we have uh, continued into 2022. So that's a big thing. Hmm. Um, there were also a lot of plans for the future on, sh on show this year. We discussed it quite a lot because a lot of car manufacturers uh, you know, are trying to make their way into the front row of this huge automotive shift that we're about to experience or are already experienced. We saw stuff from Lotus, Mercedes-Benz, Honda, Hyundai, Kia, BMW. And of course, Yesterday, Toyota with 16 new electric vehicles that span across uh, the Lexus range, right? Yes. So uh, we'll go into that right when we come back, but it's just a lot of cars and a lot of information to get through at the moment. Correct. Final few things. We're starting to see a few trends in the car industry. I think we, we saw the introduction of mini motorbikes with the electric and the battery charging and everything. Mm. There was the uh, four biggest motorcycle brands in Japan who agreed to make all the batteries the same size so that Correct. they could be swapped in and out and everything. We saw compact trucks. We saw lots of concept cars with uh, lounge-like interiors and the rise of more raised cars. So race mm. saloons and wagons rather than full-on crossovers and SUV. So we're going to be, I guess, redefining a lot of cars in 2022 and onwards, right? Yeah, and the segments are going to be moving. The segment names are going to be changing. There will be a time where the compact car will disappear and you'll see a compact crossover. Wasn't there a piece of news that said the Volvo XC90, which we all know and love. It's, you know, it's a big name in the car industry. They might be changing that into a Volvo something else. Yeah, they, they don't want to use the numbers anymore. They want to use a proper name. Yeah, I'm not too happy with it, but you know, I, I don't own the company, so you know, <laughs> yeah. they can do yeah. whatever they want. Final piece of really huge news, I think, for the tech fans of this world, uh, because uh, Mercedes-Benz, they announced that for the first time ever, I think it's the first fully certified and first in market uh, level three autonomous tech. And mm. that essentially means that the car, for the most part, can drive without uh, your assistance. It should be able to get you from destination A to destination B without your interference, which you can't do right now and you should never do. Exactly. But fortunately, as we'll get into the S-Class later, we'll tell you why we won't be getting that sort of technology anytime soon. Anyway, we got to head to the break. we got some car launches to go through, don't we, Daniel? Yep. We'll be back on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Because freedom matters. BFM 89.9.
BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Arif Roos and as usual, on the phone line with me is Mr. Daniel Fernandez. Say hello, Daniel. Hello and good evening, everybody. In part one, if you missed out, we did a full roundup of uh, 2021, all the news and all the things that happened in the automotive sphere in Malaysia and as well globally. Lots of stuff to get through. But for now, we have some car launches going on, some two pretty, pretty exciting cars. The first one happened on Monday or Tuesday. No, actually it happened on Monday, but it stretched over two days because they spread it out nicely for social distancing and, you know, to make sure everybody's safe. So they, they brought the media in in very small batches and they gave us adequate time to get to know the car. This is the all-new 11th generation Honda Civic. And we got to drive the RS, the top dog, the main kahuna, the big <laughs> brother of the Civic, the boy that is going to change the segment. Daniel, I'm so excited to hear what you got to say. Okay, I know I sound too excited, but the thing is, you see, the previous Civic, the 10th generation, you know you know how many units was on the road, right? Yeah, everybody bought one. Yeah, they had 70% of market share. And you know, I like driving the car, but I wasn't totally taken by it because the design was a little bit too busy for me. Okay, my age group again, you know, there were just too many lines on it. So what happened is when I heard that the new 11th generation was coming out, I called Honda Malaysia. I said, listen, do you still have the older test car available? I said, yeah, yeah. I said, I just want it for a little while. I just wanted a refresher. You get what I mean? Mm, yeah. So it was the last of that version, the 10th generation. So they let me have it for a few days. I drove it around. I got to know it and everything else. And I still felt the same way. The car drove nicely. It was fun and everything else. 1.5 turbo and all. But I wasn't taken totally by the styling. And the interior was a little bit too busy for me. Yeah, but again, I'm not the demographic. You know, I'm I'm almost reaching retirement. I should be basically getting myself a bus. You know, Daniel, I'm the, in that demographic, and I don't think the Civic has aged well at all. Okay, that so Civic so maybe is. maybe I'm 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 lucky there. But now, <laughs> I've seen pictures of this car. I've seen pictures of the interior. I've I've been I've been looking forward to it because picture wise, I love the look of this new Civic. But when I saw it in person. The love grew. And I, and I say that because why? It's got less lines, it's got more curves, it's cleaner, it's sharper. In fact, it reminds me of the fifth generation Civic, yep. which is a very clean, simple line. This was even before Honda Malaysia came to Malaysia, it was when, the, when it was done by a distributor. And I looked at it and said, oh, my age group would love this. <laughs> to make things even better, when I got into the car, the interior, and my first impression was, listen, European car manufacturers, you have to start worrying a little because Honda has brought their game up to your doorstep. Yep, I totally agree with that. So now you've got this car, only one engine is available, 1.5 turbo, but the brake horsepower has moved up a little bit. The, the, the torque has moved up by 20 and we took it out of the track and immediately the steering feels a little bit more connected. Gear response is much better. And I say the word much better. I think the old one was designed more for fuel economy. This one is designed more for fun. And mm. the seat comfort, the, the you know, the touch and feel point. After driving it, and I want to emphasize it, come to a full stop. Then close your eyes and run your fingers throughout the interior. From the seat material to the roof lining, to the dash, to the knobs, to the trim. Everything has been moved up to the European car doorstep. I love how much you're in love with this car. Yes. And I, and I have to say that the word love is there because it is still going to be around 130, 140,000. They haven't given the price yet. Yeah. Yet, I know some people are going to be angry. It's sitting right next to the BMW 218i. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> you know, the, the, the BMW is 205,000. This is going to be about 135, 140. So you'll have a $60,000 price difference. Take away the badges, they are both equally good. You know, Daniel, with this new Honda Civic, right? I felt in maybe in the past year or so, Honda was you know coming up to one of their peaks, I guess. Yes. Peak in design, peak in technology and everything. They found what they are about, right? It seems like this Civic is that. It's the car that exemplifies that they are, at the moment, probably one of the most exciting car companies in the world, just because the Civic is back. Yes. You know, I mean, the Civic has always been there. You know, it's, it's, never, yeah. it's never been a, a worrying product, you know, you know, 70% of the market segment. But this car now, this new 11 generation, I mean, the number 11 must be like super lucky for them because, okay, down to something really silly, I'll say this. If you look at the back of the car, you look at the pictures on DSF, you see the rear of the car, mm. they actually have two proper exhausts on each end. They, I mean, you couldn't say the same things about Audi and Volkswagen, right? Yes. And, you know, a lot of the Europeans tend to have fake exhausts at the back, you know? Yeah. And this, you have real exhaust and they're, they're garang looking, you know? And this is what we want. Yeah, it's even got a new spoiler on the back, right? As stock. And it's a very discreet presentation. It's not over the limit in your face. And you know, like, even the even the wheels, the wheels are lovely looking wheels. <laughs> you know? So I think they got it right. This RS model is going to bang out of the showrooms without any problem. I think the C segment is going to be revived with this car. And I, only, I can only spot one competitor, the Mazda 3. Mm, yes. It's also a game changer, but you know, Mazda, because of the pricing and everything else, a lot of people sort of held back. But I can see only the Mazda being a real game player in this segment, if you want to talk about the Koreans and the Japanese. But I think realistically, you got to look at the BM218i and look at this and say, hey, what's the difference? So from what I've heard, no pricing yet. It will be in showrooms next year in January 2022. Yes. yes. And, and bookings are open already, yeah? Yeah, bookings are already open. So, you know, if you've heard how much Daniel loved it, you should really go out and get one. No, no, no. <laughs> go out and test drive it and then you make the decision. Don't don't believe everything I say. Uh, we do have one more car to go through uh, that was just launched this morning. Yes. It is a very, very fancy car. Mm-hmm. It is the new Mercedes-Benz S580e. And it is the seventh generation of the Mercedes-Benz flagship. Mm. In spite of the many different types of S-classes that they have now with the Maybach and everything, this S-Class, the new one, is still the Mercedes-Benz flagship. It's the car that has always defined the brand and luxury saloons in general. It's bought by anyone and everyone who feels that they're worth the salt. This new one is the W223. It's codenamed the W223. And it's coming here in the short wheelbase. It's all new and introduces, essentially, Mercedes in the next few years in, in terms of design, interior, and technology. And it will be locally produced, right, Daniel? Yes, it's local assembled. Uh, the plant has been upgraded in Pekan. They've upgraded the plant for various reasons because their, their small compact cars are now local assembled. Now they've got this big brother, which is also local assembled. But, you know, examining the car, you can't tell it's local assembled. It feels, looks, touch point, paint finish, you know, interior, everything feels fully imported. And I think that's because, you know, Mercedes has been assembling cars here for a long time. They know what they're doing when it comes to assembly. But, yeah. you know, what I found surprising is since Mercedes has opened office here, they've mm. sold 18 thousand units of the S-Class in Malaysia. That is crazy. Right. But I was talking to someone, I'm not going to mention who, and they said there's probably like 40,000 because of all the grey importers. Mm, that's true. That's so true. the S-Class is everywhere. From all the generations, is everywhere. But this new one, 
I think is going to do much better than the previous one simply because last year it took the award for world luxury world car of the year. Okay. Yeah. Now, when you say luxury world car of the year, who lost out to the S class? Bentley, Rolls Royce, mm-hmm. BMW. I mean, these are the big boys in the game. Okay, BMW, Mercedes, always you know side by side lah, you know fighting lah, you know like Toyota and Honda. But you know, Bentley and Rolls Royce lost out to the S class. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that says something, right? This says a lot because you know, even if this car is a million ringgit, those other two cars are two and three million ringgit. So you know, it's come to a point where it's exactly what I've said just now about the Honda Civic and the BMW. It's now all about badge and branding. Yeah. Now, do you want to arrive in a Rolls Royce costing three million or a brand new S class costing one million? that has beaten the Rolls Royce in terms of world luxury car, you know? Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's an individual thing. But, you know, I'm not worried like, because, you know why? We came from the launch and you know what they said? Waiting list now up to April next year. <laughs> so I think there's enough Malaysians who said, hey, I'm buying this car not because it won world you know, luxury car of the year. It's because it's fully equipped, it's fully loaded, it looks good. And if you get in the car, there's nothing to complain. I mean, the way, you know, the room, even though it's a short wheelbase, there's plenty of room. Richard can sit in the back and also fall asleep as he's moving, you know? I don't know what a private jet looks like, but mm. the Mercedes S-Class has a better interior than a private right. jet, to be now, honest. Now, since you don't know what a private jet looks like, tomorrow you give me a call, I'll let you take mine out for a ride, okay? Of course. What do you think about the looks of this car, though? I think it's probably one of the best-looking S-Classes maybe since, you know, the old SELs back in the 70s. It's so imposing. I think also it's one of these designs that it's it's not in your face, so it'll last a long time. Just like old Mercedes used to. You know, it's not it's not going to get boring because there's not too much involvement in it, you know? Those are the grills. Those are the lights. There's yes. one continuous body line. It's, yes. it's shaped, but it's also very creased. Yes. <laughs> you know, side view, the portions are just right. Um, the big thing, though, about this car is that it's the inside, as you mentioned. It's oh. very, very pretty. You literally can't complain about anything. Beyond pretty. And I feel, you know, we are not huge fans of infotainment screens, but right. it feels like the way they've designed it as, you know, as the centerpiece and how good it looks yes. in and amongst everything else, it works. Yes, it does work. I mean, they've, they've, I mean, the earlier ones with the two screens side by side, rectangular, uh, a little bit. But this one, you know, there's one flat one right in front. And then there's, uh, there's another one which is below, you know, the eye line. Yep. And yep. I think being below the eye line is good because why? Mercedes-Benz has all the functions on the steering wheel. So on the left of the steering wheel, you can operate what's on the center console. On the right, you can operate what's in front of you. It makes a lot of sense when you live with the car. Of course, someone like us who just takes the car for three, four days, you know, we can't immediately learn all this. Mm. But if you live with the car, you, you learn in about a week or two. You know, I mean, for me, maybe three weeks, like, you know, but I can see, you know, and, you know, come on, in Malaysia, most of the people who buy these cars, their drivers are going to be enjoying it, you know? Yeah, that's you know? true. They'll be at the back snoozing away like what Richard does in all these big cars, you know? You know, Daniel, some drivers get paid more than we do. Please don't ah. depress me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some technicals about this car because yeah. it is the S580. It's right? a fi- S580e. That means you get a 362 horsepower, 3 liter straight six with mm-hmm. 150-ish horsepower electric motor that makes a total of 502 horsepower and 750 newton meters of torque. It right. may not be a 5.8 liter V8 or V12, but it will certainly go like one. Yes. Big news uh, is that, you know, it's been locally assembled, but now we have a battery that's twice the size than the previous model. So now right. we get 100 kilometers of EV range, which... Mm. 
to me, signals a bit of intent from you know Mercedes that they do have a few tricks up their sleeves Correct. in their local plant. They're heading that way. They're heading that way. Um, so as Daniel mentioned, locally produced model, currently the sole model in Malaysia. What sort of price are we expecting? I think close to 900000 ringgit. 900000 Who knows? I'm not in charge of pricing and I can't afford this car. So. <laughs> and with that, we should head to the break because after this, we do have a conversation about used car plug-in hybrids and premium car prices, which are incredibly low and incredibly tempting. Yes, it is. Stay tuned to Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. Farming Frustrated Minds, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, this is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Arv Roos and as usual on the phone line with me is the esteemed Mr. Daniel Fernandez. Say hello. Thank you. Esteemed. <laughs> Can't sleep tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome everybody and thank you for still listening to us. Uh, if you've missed the first two parts of the show, we spoke about the Honda Civic, Mercedes-Benz S580e as well as uh, 2021 wrapped up in a nice little segment just for you. For now though, we are going to be talking about used plug-in hybrids and how prices of these cars are falling fast right now. But Daniel has a lot of things to say about that. <laughs> Okay, as you know, when I, when I do used car reviews or I check on used car levels, it's always because someone comes and prompts me. So, uh, a friend of mine prompted me and said, hey, you know, I'm thinking of buying a BM330E, you know, a plug-in hybrid. It's about to hit its end of its warranty and, you know, the price is very good. I said, how good is good? I thought, you know, 130, 140, because the last time I checked, they were going for about 120 to 140, you know, uh, which is about four years old. But he got this car at just below 97,000 ringgit. You know? Wow. And there's still a, a little bit of warranty on it. So I said, you know, that's a bit suspect, you know. He said, no, 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 this is about the price. And then he said, come, let's go and see the car. So the car was in a, a neighborhood quite far away from, from where we live. So we took our time. We drove there. And then, you know, while we were driving there, I was, I was checking. He was driving. So I was checking on my phone, you know, the classifieds and all. And I was looking. Yeah, the prices have suddenly moved down. Then I said, have you thought about, you know, the, the C-Class, you know, because that's also in the same segment. And then yeah. he says, no, no, the C, the C is not that low. So I checked, yeah, a little bit more, but, you know, around the same price also. And also moved down quite a bit in the last uh, five to six months. Then just for fun, I, I checked, you know, the price of the uh, Volvo XC90. Now, I know that's not a sedan. It's a large SUV. It, it's big. It's intimidating. It's very luxurious. And even the prices of those have moved down. Then I realized everything that was going to be around five years old, was starting to drop. And the reason is very simple. All these cars come with a five-year factory warranty for the vehicle. But there's a battery mm. warranty. Some of them give six, some of them give seven, some of them give eight. Yep. But then, as I did a little bit more research, and then, you know, as we were driving, I was, I was making a couple of calls to a couple of after-sales guys I know, and they were saying, well, you know, Daniel, these cars, they're nice, they're fantastic, the technology is great, but end of the day, this is a petrol engine and a battery electric power plant working mm. together 24-7. That means, you know, the switch happens all the time and, you know, a lot of people don't really understand that on the older plug-in hybrids, you need to regularly charge the car. Yeah. And the reason for that is because the battery also works for some of the other systems in the car. And then if you think you're just going to regenerate and let it go, no. You have to actually, once a week or once every two weeks, take it and actually plug it in and charge it. Now, 
the early buyers of these cars, a lot of them lived in condos, as you know, in Malaysia. A lot yeah. of them lived in terrace houses and they didn't put up their wall box because they thought, hey, you know, I still got a petrol engine. I just put petrol and keep driving, lah, you know? Because I'm getting a, a high-spec German car for actually a very low price because of the tax incentive given to plug-in hybrids. Yeah. So after that, we reached the house of this seller and the seller was a nice guy, one owner, and he didn't have the wall box fitted, but he had the wall box to give my friend for FOC, you know, when he buys the car. Mm. So my friend bought the car, we checked everything out. He even had the report from the dealer on the battery health and everything. It wasn't perfect, but you know, it's a four and plus year old car. And because the battery warranty has got another few more years, he said, instead of buying a middle class Japanese or Korean car, I can drive a premium German car. I said, well, you know, it's it's all nice and wonderful. But if it was a normal petrol driven car, I'll say go for it. But because it's a plug-in hybrid and after my few phone calls, I think, you know, and looking at this owner who didn't use his wall box. So obviously he's never charged the car properly. But never mind, we took the car and everything was done after a few days. And, you know, he, my friend came over to my house. He was very happy with the car. You know, the usual thing, like, you know, take it for a nice polish, you know, do car coating, do interior cleanup. You know, everything smells great. And then he said, you know, I think I need to install the wall box. Yeah. So I found out how to install the wall box for him, got it installed at his house. I mean, I helped him, you know, introduce an electrician who installed it. And then he said, I want to charge it and battery power out of it, you know? Yeah. But every time he charges it, the battery power is very low, you see? Mm. So he has also become now, after a few weeks, a person who just puts petrol and drive. <laughs> he says, because I, I put it up to charge and then after a while, the, the, the socket gets a bit hot and my wife gets a bit panicky. You know, why is this thing so hot when we charge other things? So, you know, there's, there's a still a lot of confusion about how these things work. Yeah, I remember like six, seven years ago when I, when I got a laptop and then suddenly every time I'm, I'm working on a laptop, every now and then the, the fan will come on, you know? The yeah. little cooling fan. You know, the earlier laptops didn't have it, you know? Then I'll say, hey, something wrong. Why is this fan coming on? (laughs) Then I realize that as technology moves on, they find better ways to keep things running better and everything like that. So, you know, when you you talk about plug-in hybrids, a lot of people are still not adaptable to it. You know, they just still don't understand quite as much. They still think, hey, you know, but I got a petrol engine on. Why do I bother about the battery? Yeah. So anyway, that price and the price of its competing cars like the C-Class and everything is dropping. And I think it's a little bit worrying because why? A lot of people who are buying these cars right now secondhand, like my friend, they are not ready to, to embrace the ownership of a vehicle that's going to cost a lot very soon to maintain. Because why? After five years, only the battery has got a warranty on it. Mm. Everything else has got no warranty on it. And you've got very expensive components, you know, battery electric components in the car that could fail and this is not going to be cheap. And, you know, a lot of these parts work in tandem with the battery. So if one part fails, that's a whole host of other things to have a look at. Exactly, exactly. So I actually went to one of the showrooms because I know the after-sales manager and I spoke to him and he says, you know, we do have a lot of people coming in with battery issues because they never ever charge their plug-in hybrids. So Mm. I did this article for two reasons. Number one, okay, to let people know the prices are dropping. But number two, doesn't mean it's dropping below 100000 you rush out and buy one because it's affordable. Yes, you still can get loan. You can probably even get a 100% loan. But, you know, you're buying something that may be reasonable upfront to purchase. Mm. But in one year's time, if you've got a bill of 27, 28, 35, 15, 16,000 ringgit, you're going to be shocked off your shoes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not going to be ready for this. You know, I'll give you another example. You know, I think we spoke about it last time. You know, when someone bought a, a European car that did not come with a spare tire and, and a toolkit, 
And they said, <laughs> did I get cheated? I said, no, no, no. It comes with run flat tires. Oh, what's run flat tires? And then when they had to change your run flat tires, I said, why is it almost three times the price of a normal tire? And people get shocked with things like this. And you know, when you do run flat tires, you can't just change one. You've got to change two, you know? Yeah. Because your tire pressuring monitor system will not work because of the balance and everything else. So again, with this plug-in hybrids, a lot of people are going to be jumping into this unaware. And I started realizing that the guy who sold the car, I mean, he lived in a, he didn't live in a fancy house. It was a nice house. At that point, I thought to myself, hey, you know, your car costs uh, about half of your house, you know. <laughs> you know, you know, when you go to some houses in some neighborhoods, I mean, I don't want to put anyone down, but, you know, you look at the house and say, hey, this house is about 400,000. The first car, about 280,000, you know. <laughs> what's, what's with the story here, you know? Yeah, and, and, you know, the thing is, you know, he, we didn't ask him, but he could be a businessman or he could be someone in the corporate world who needed a car to, to show an impression or maybe even he just liked the look of the car. He liked driving it and he says, you know, I, I deserve a, a nice car, which is exactly what my friend did because he loves his plug-in hybrid. He loves driving it. Even though it's four years old, almost five, it drives wonderfully. It's nice to drive. It's comfortable. It's got everything. But I'm so worried for him over the next five to six months because when that warranty is over, he's going to get a shocker if something goes wrong, you know? And I know, I, because I know him well enough, I know he's not prepared to pay a five-figure repair bill, you know, yeah. unless it's a battery pack, you know? And like you alluded to just now, the difference in massive repair costs between a regular petrol car and a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid, is massive. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> because you can buy, a, you know, a, like a 330i or 328i of the same generation, maybe yeah. slightly more. But, you know, the worst come to worst repair cost may be about 12 to 15 rather than a battery powered, which is maybe 25 or 30. Yes. And, you know, when a car is already four to five years old, things like, you know, your alternator, your, your aircon compressor, your brake system, your steering. These are things that are going to go soon. But you see, steering, okay, can, can jalan not so bad. Brakes, it's fine. But your aircon compressor... The alternator, these are all rather special in a plug-in hybrid. Then you've got other little things, you know, your traction motor and this and that. All these other th little things that work around the hybrid system that could be putting you out of pocket in a serious way, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to emphasize this to a lot of people, but looking at the prices of used plug-in hybrids right now, don't get overexcited unless you have checked on how much these things cost. Because if you're going to get stuck with it, you're really going to get stuck with it. And you know... Uh, there was a show on BFM uh, recently where uh, BMW Malaysia said that they already sold 21,000 electrified vehicles in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. Now, out of those 21,000, I think maybe less than 1,000 are electric, maybe a few hundred only. So you're talking about 20 over 1,000 plug-in hybrids are already out there in the market. Good news. A lot of happy people are driving it. But what about the second and third owners? What is going to happen with these cars, you know? So where does it leave, you know, these plug-in hybrids? Because when cars become too expensive, people just tend to leave them be. That's the thing. You see, already now, okay, if you check websites in UK, because UK had a big number of plug-in hybrids and then slowly they, they diminished because they either moved to, back to petrol or they moved back to, they moved com completely into EVs, right? Mm -hmm. So in UK, a lot of plug-in hybrids are just collecting dust or, or getting scrapped. Yeah. So when I say scrapped, I hope they're not being brought here as recon cars. Yeah, that is something that we've actually, you've actually pointed out in, in the past couple of shows as well. Yes, when they. Yes come over you know with back in the early days when the a6 hybrid came over and there were a lot of accompanying um what was it called 535i active hybrid versions yes. or something of like that right yes. the blue efficiency models those were a huge risk to a lot of people when they were coming in uh, as gray imports correct for sure so where are those active hybrids today 
<laughs> you hardly see any of them, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, they're probably in some small town workshop. You know, is there a way to get around this? Is you know because some of these cars are actually really, really good cars. They are really good cars. They're they're fun to drive. They're fast. They handle really well because they're heavy. They got a lot of torque when the battery is charged. They got a lot of torque, but. And you can't go to your regular Joe mechanic to fix these cars, you know. You have to go back yep. to the dealership or you got to go. There's now a few specialist guys out there who have learned the system. They've learned how to fix them and all that. So getting it running is fine, but it's the money. Because why? The first owner paid, say, 250 or 300,000 ringgit. Yep. He got a warranty. He only had to pay for wear and tear and a few little things. You know what I mean, now, yeah. he has taken a big loss. He still has to top up his loan probably. That doesn't matter. That's his problem. But when you buy as a second-hand owner, you got no warranty. And this is the thing that scares me, you know? Yep. Because everyone says, oh, they got a good battery warranty. Like my friend said, good battery warranty. I said, yes, but what about the things around the battery, you know? Mm-hmm. And the that's cables a, and everything. Yes, and those things are not cheap also. Like the battery for the EV or, or, or plug-in hybrid, the things that work around the battery system is where the scare comes in when you talk about cost because they're not mass-produced and they don't have a lot of this in the world for you to like, you know, get from the junkyard or yeah. Poton Kreta and all that, you know. So you have to buy new and you can't go to just your regular mechanic to fix it because he will not be certified to do it or he might not even have the tools to do it. We've always said, or rather car companies always say that, you know, these things take time to work on. So the cost of, you know, batteries will come down, the cost of equipping people uh, with the right tools and the right, you know, education to fix on these cars will happen in the future. Right. So maybe five years down the line, will plug-in hybrids be a viable alternative? I think no, because you know why? Plug-in hybrids were something that came out many years ago, and then they evolved. You know, they got better over time, right? Yeah. It's, for example, like the petrol engine has been there for a long time. So evolution is very small. The diesel engine evolution is very small over the last few years. Yeah. But the plug-in hybrid has been evolving. The battery system has evolved. The cooling system has evolved. Now, if you get a plug-in hybrid today and you open it up and you look at a plug-in hybrid that's four years old, there's a lot of differences. So are those old parts still being manufactured? That's number one. Number two, Mm -hmm. because of economies of scale, do they have a lot in the market to bring the price down? Because they're, they're concentrating now on the next level technology, right? Yep. And then in another four or five years, plug-in hybrids might just completely disappear because of the big move to electrification. Yep. And then suddenly what is going to happen with all the needed spare parts for this plug-in hybrid? I'm not in engineering. I'm not a mechanic. I don't have all the answers. I'm just thinking out loud. Well, if you're listening to the show and you do have an opinion about this, don't forget to share it with us uh, and Daniel Fernandez at dsf.my and us, obviously, at BFM Cruise Control on Instagram. I think that was a really, really good discussion. I mean, it certainly got me thinking a lot about plug-in hybrids in general because I think, to me, they are the best of both worlds. You still get to travel around town in your electric modes and you still can enjoy your petrol engine out on the open road. But owning one, that's a really, really difficult and problematic question. Be prepared. I think that's the message, isn't it? Yes, be prepared. And I think the most important thing is do a lot of research. Check with a workshop you trust or maybe the dealership or things like that. Don't go into this thinking, oh, it's depreciated a lot, so I have to buy it. You know, Think very carefully before you make the plunge. Because why? When you want to sell it, that's when the trick is going to come in. Well, there you have it. Thank you very much for that, Daniel Fernandez. Okay, thank you. And uh, everybody, please have a good year-end holiday. Have a good New Year's Eve. Be safe. 
be alert on the road because you know New Year's Eve and New Year's Day there's going to be some people who will still be stubborn and drink and drive watch out for them please watch out for them especially those of you riding motorcycles if you missed any part of this podcast you can go on bfm.my to listen to the podcast again or any of the podcast apps that you listen to you can also read about uh, all the stuff that we've talked about on Daniel's website dsf.my and as well follow us on Instagram at BFM Cruise Control to keep updated with the show when we come back in a couple of weeks as highlighted at the start of the show and as highlighted by Daniel's goodbye we will be on a break used to the Christmas and New Year celebrations because we we do need a lot of R&R, don't we, Daniel? Yes, we do. So, we'll be back January 5th. That's our next air date. Please stay tuned and stick around again to Cruise Control. On behalf of myself, Daniel Fernandez, and Richard Bradbury, who's not here, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Let's look forward to a good 2022. Stay safe. BFM 89.9. For listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.